yeah, and we're actually talking about relationships today. So this is actually a little relationship tip that's not in the sermon. If, if your wife says that they want a puppy because it will hold off their desire for a baby, that lasts about a week. <laughs> um, puppies do not work for long. In my opinion, though, babies are easier than puppies. So, yeah, dog, dogs are tough. Babies pee in diapers. Uh, dogs pee on the floor. Could happen either way, though. All right. Um, we're in the series called uh, Relationship Status, and we try and do a relationship series once a year, and um, I am moving forward slowly because I don't know how much we're going to get through today, and I'm wondering to myself, can the speakers I have after me the next couple weeks, can they bump this out? We'll see. We'll see how, how long this Relationship Status series works how long it lasts. Um, But last week, I want to give you a little bit of a recap. We just basically laid down the truth that single people are um, equal in value and worth to married people, to people in relationship. And oftentimes, uh, within Christianity, within church, within society as a whole, we can put this pressure on young adults, even on teenagers, um, to make them think that they have to be in a relationship in order to be complete, uh, in order to be whole, in order to feel worthy. Um, But single people are just as complete as married people are. Um, But with that in mind, if you feel like I would like to be single for the rest of my life, marriage is is not for me, You're right, you don't need to have a husband or a wife to be complete. However, you do need to be in communities with people of the opposite sex. Every community needs both men and women to really fully image and represent God in the community that they're in because God made us male and female in his image. And so men reflect God in different ways than women do, and women reflect God in different ways than men do. Both of them equally as valuable before God, but men and women are needed in families and in societies and in churches and in workplaces. Even the workplace can be odd if everybody you work with is a guy or everybody that you work with is a girl. It's nice to have a mix of both men and women because it more fully reflects the human experience. And so if you are here and if you are single... Just know that, like, it's not the goal in the church to be in a romantic relationship. Uh, It's the goal in the church and in life to be in a relationship with Jesus. And if you put your relationship with Jesus first, if you desire other kinds of relationships, then God will bring godly relationships into view in front of you that you can move toward um, if that's the direction that you are going in. And so with that being said... Uh, we kind of open this series with a, a little introduction to 1 Corinthians. And 1 Corinthians is a letter that was written by the Apostle Paul around 60 AD. And he is writing a letter to a church in the Greek city of Corinth that was within the Roman Empire. And this city was messed up. Um, this was a city um, that made cities like Las Vegas almost pale in comparison to the type of sexual debauchery and sin that would go on within the city of Corinth. And one thing that this city would do to 
to worship their false gods was actually to engage in sexual relationships with prostitutes as an act of worship. And so as people came to know the true God, as people came to be forgiven of their sins by grace through faith in Jesus, um, they were trying to figure out, well, how do we live our lives? How do we live our lives now that we have relationship with Jesus? And what does it mean for all of these other relationships? And so all sorts of wacky relationships, in particular sexual relationships, were taking place amongst people that are now within this redeemed community of faith. And Paul is teaching them, using the Old Testament, using the teachings of Jesus, using the Spirit as the Spirit leads him on how they are to live out every relationship status they might be in. And so when we read through books of the New Testament, please remember that oftentimes, Paul especially, these are letters, and he is answering questions that people sent to him in letters. And some of the questions that Paul was answering were questions like, I'm single, should I pursue relationships? I'm in a relationship, should I get engaged? I am engaged, should I get married? I'm married, I don't like it, should I get separated? I'm separated, should I get divorced? My spouse died, should I get remarried? And so on and so on and so on. And so he's addressing questions that people are asking. This is not just simply him kind of shotgunning this approach to relationship. And so I kind of um, I get nervous when preaching on things like this because it could seem like I'm just kind of shotgunning out information, like do this, do this, do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. But in context within Scripture, these are answers to questions. And, and we don't have you know, a year to go into these types of series. And so if something kind of hits home for you and you're like, I'd like to know more, would you please ask one of our pastors would you please ask some of our leaders, let them know you'd like to go deeper and in looking into some of these things. Uh, for some of you, this might bring up uh, a lot of tension. For some of you, it might bring up even trauma um, that you may need to seek some counseling for, and I'd encourage you to do that. Or that you might need to, to seek some kind of pastoral support and encouragement and direction for. I'd encourage you to do that. At minimum, it's going to require a lot of prayer. It's going to require a lot of community of people encouraging one another to do what's best for them and what's going to bring God the most glory. And so as we look at these different relationship statuses and biblically how we should approach them, um, I would like you to kind of put at ease your heart in regard to feeling condemned or judged. That is not the purpose. We're simply preaching biblical truth. And if you hear something where where it hits you and you're like, oh, I'm not living to that standard, or I, I am failing in this particular standard, allow the Holy Spirit of God to convict you and to draw you into close relationship with him, to draw you to, to live a life that's going to be best for you and bring him the most glory to live rightly. Um, and as, as a preacher at a church says these things, uh, again, it's not condemnation it's the truth of the word of God and one thing that the word of God does is it convicts us so that it does draw us to relationship with Christ and so in a earthly standpoint there is no judgment or condemnation but from the spirit of the living God he might be drawing you to do something differently in your life and I would encourage you to listen to that and the church becomes a place not for judgment 
when you're not living to those things, but a place of encouragement and strengthening to help you live up to those standards. Because even if you are in the best of statuses, whether single or in marriage, a, a marriage that you might think is the best ever, or a single life that you might think is the best ever, I guarantee you, you're still, I'm still, we're still falling short. And we have room to improve. And so we need to trust in God to allow him to change us. The Bible calls that sanctify us to be more like him in these things. And each and every time that something like relationships or sexuality is talked about in the Bible, it is not just black and white, do and do not. It is actually helpful for us. If God created us, that means that God knows what relationships are best for us. It means he knows um, how our sexuality works best for us. It means he knows how marriage works best for us. We ought to do things God's ways because God loves us and God wants to receive glory and honor and worship from how we do relationships. And he actually wants our good as well. He wants our good and I'm just here to tell you and to tell myself that, that my good in my mind is, is just not God's good. God's good is better. God's good is better than what I think is good. And, and anything that I can imagine, anything I could ever hope for, I could see, I could smell, I could taste, I could hear, pales in comparison to what God actually has in store for those who love him. That's what the Bible says. And so we're going to look at a couple different relationship statuses in light of 1 Corinthians 7. And six, we're not leading a Bible study on this chapter, so I encourage you to read it. Uh, our app is called FC Online. It's on the Apple uh, Store and on the Google Play Store, and you can follow along all these verses. We've provided a lot you can read through. And later on um, this evening, um, on our Instagram and on our Facebook accounts, there are some little um, infographic cards that you can save to your phone that tell you about each relationship status and, and how as Christians we are to walk these things out. Because you might hear and remember one thing today, um, but you might want to go back and look at these things throughout the year or years to come when you find yourself in different statuses. So here, here's the different relationship statuses there are. Um, there are single people. There are people who are dating. And, and definitions from last week, single means that you're not dating. It means you're not in a defined relationship. Single actually means that you're not in a sexual relationship. So oftentimes in today's society, we say, well, well, we have sexual relationships, but it's not a real relationship. Oh, it's very much relationship. Um, when sex is involved, it, it is a very deep relationship. Um, dating is another relationship status. Or on Facebook, we would call this in a relationship. Dating means you're doing the things uh, mentioned above. You are dating. You are in a defined relationship. You, you may be in a sexual relationship. Uh, to be engaged, it may seem obvious, but not necessarily. To be engaged means someone has already asked you to marry them. doesn't mean you've talked about it, but there has been an actual ask. There has been a yes answer. It means that there is a ring and there is actually a plan to get married. So to be engaged means you're actually moving towards marriage. It's not just a title that you say, this is my fiance, but we're actually getting married. Um, there are married people. Married people, that means that they have made a covenantal vow before God and before others. That means they have a marriage license. And you might say, well, a license is just a piece of paper. It doesn't mean anything. Uh, licenses protect women. They do. They also protect men in cases. They protect families. They protect things. So you have a marriage license. To be married means everyone knows about it. It's not a secret. 
People at your workplace know that you're married. To be married means that you're not just married in your heart, but you've actually been married to one another. Um, Separated. This means you're legally married and you're apart for a season to determine if your relationship can be repaired and you're taking the steps to repair it. And then the last three is uh, divorce. Divorce means you filed for a divorce and the divorce is finalized. You're no longer married, widowed, means your spouse um, tragically has died and you are now currently single. And then finally, uh, everybody's favorite is it's complicated. Maybe it's complicated relationships. And, and I know it's kind of funny and it's not really supposed to be. And, and I kind of defined these relationships and trying to think about like, how do you define it's complicated besides just saying it's complicated? And, and not the Bible, just, just my definition is no, it's not complicated. It's not. It means one person isn't taking the relationship seriously. And if it's complicated for you, then find someone where it's not going to be complicated. And I understand even that statement is very complicated and is very convoluted. And so what do we do? How do we handle each and every one of these statuses? And just to make this series a little bit more fun, instead of just like, well, this is a lot of stuff about relationships, we, we do have a drawing. If you missed it when you came in, uh, we have a drawing for people today you can enter into for people who are single. And I would say, like, raise your hand if you're single. Don't do it, though, because it would be a great time to look around and inventory. Um, but single, there's a lot of single young people here today and, and older people and middle-aged people. Uh, single, and then the other one is uh, if you're a teenager. And you're like, well, what if I'm a teenager and I'm, I'm, I'm in a relationship? But you're just a teenager. So if you're a teenager, uh, you can enter into that as well. And then we, we do have a category for it's complicated. If you're like, that's me, enter into the drawing for it's complicated. And when we announce the winner, we won't say, like, um, Sally, Jesse Raphael, is in, she is in a complicated relationship, and she's our winner. We're not going to do that. Just we'll, we'll discreetly give you the prize because uh, you might not want people to know it's complicated. And so last week we did couples, uh, we did teens, and we did singles. And if you didn't pick up your prize, do that at our New Here Start Here station. And so let's start today with singles. What do you do? When you're single, what do you do if you're, a fo- if you're a follower of Jesus? How do you behave? How do you act? What is, what is your life like? How do you respond to your singleness? And these instructions are for Christians. And so if you're not a follower of Jesus, um, the instructions I'm about to give you, they might be helpful, but you need a relationship with Jesus. That, that's the most important thing. But for those who have a relationship with Christ, who are single, h- how do you engage in life? Well, Number one is this. You need to know this. If you're single, you are valuable. You are single. You are complete in Christ. You don't need someone to complete you. You don't need another half. You're whole with Christ. If you're single, you are needed. And that might seem strange to say, but oftentimes single people feel like they are not needed, especially in the church. But I want you to know if you're single, you are valuable, you are complete, and you are needed. And because we're looking at 1 Corinthians chapter 7, here's something else to know if you're single that's very important to know is that if you can stay in this place of singleness, if if you've got this, if you can stay single, and and single means, again, no sexual relationships. You're not dating. You're just just single. If you can stay in this place, and I— the Bible says this, but I, I think I agree with the Bible wholeheartedly here. Because sometimes I, like, internally I'm like, I don't know if I agree, but I, I just have faith in this. 
But here, here's what I can wholeheartedly stand on. If you can remain single, life will be easier for you. And the Bible says that explicitly. And you're like, but it's so difficult to be single. And, and I would say, yes, it is. But have you tried being married? That's difficult as well. It's hard to be one sinful person, but you put two together, it, it gets a little bit crazy sometimes. And so 1 Corinthians 7, Paul says, people are writing him this letter. Should we get married now that we're Christians? Jesus could return at any moment. Should we get married? And Paul says, to the unmarried and to the widows, I say that it is good for them to remain single as I am. Well, why is that the case? Why, why is it good to remain single if God said it was very good when he created both Adam and Eve? Why is Paul now saying it's good to be single? Well, he tells us later on in verse 32 through 34, he says, when you are single, you can devote more time to the Lord. 1 Corinthians 7, 32 through 34. He says, I want you to be free from anxieties. Is he saying that marriage causes anxiety? Absolutely he is. I want you to be free from anxieties. The unmarried man, and we'll, we'll say here woman also, to the unmarried man or, or, or woman, the unmarried man, the unmarried woman is anxious about the things of the Lord. And this is not using anxious in this negative term, but it, it is their desire. It's what they're thinking about is how to please the Lord. But he says, but to the married person, the married man or the married woman, to the married person, they are anxious about worldly things. How to please his wife. How to please her husband. And his interests are divided. And when you say worldly things, automatically in, in our Western modern minds, we think like sinful things. Like, oh, we're just going to be focused on sinful things. No, it's literally like, how am I going to make sure that my wife eats tonight? How am I going to make sure that my kids have a roof over their table? How am I going to make sure that our bills are paid? Those are worldly things that we don't worry about as much if there's just one mouth to feed. And a roof over one person's head is a lot smaller than a roof over eight people's heads. And so Paul is just saying, hey, marriage is great. God created marriage. God created humanity to be married and be in relationship and to have families and to raise them up. But it'd be easier if you were single. So one, you're, you're valuable, you're complete, you're needed. Two, life is easier when you're single. And then three, if you find yourself single, you then must choose while you're single and unmarried to remain sexually pure. Sex God created for marriage is something good and godly to unite husband and wife together as one flesh. So in 1 Corinthians 6, the chapter before, verse 18, Paul says, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside of the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his or her own body. Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? He says, you are not your own, for you were bought with a price. Glorify, honor God with your body. And you say, pastor, that is difficult. And the answer is, yeah, that is, that is difficult. And, and Paul says, if it gets difficult, this is what you ought to do. But if it's the choice that you make in life to be single, and if you are presently single, 
And if you're not in relationship, and if you're not married, then we must remain as Christians, as people saved by Jesus Christ through grace and through faith, then we remain sexually pure. You say, well, what, what if I want to get married? If Paul's saying it's, it's better to be single, what if I want to get married? What if I can't control these sexual desires? Well, if you desire marriage, and if you desire to have a family, or if you can't control your sexual desires, then Paul says explicitly, marriage is for you. So a lot of times young people will come to me because I am a pastor, and they'll be like, you know, I don't know if I'm supposed to get married, but all I think about is getting married. Like, then, then it's for you. If your desire is to get married, it's for you. Because the Bible says, he who finds a wife finds what is good and receives favor from the Lord. You could say the same. She who finds a husband finds what is good. She receives favor from the Lord. Marriage is good. God created marriage. Most people will get married. I think it's 79% of people will get married at some point in their life. And so if you want to get married, you don't need to ask, is marriage for me? If it's something you strongly want, um, then it's most likely for you. 1 Corinthians 7, 9, Paul says, it's easy to be single. However, verbatim, he says, if these single people cannot exercise self-control, they should marry. For it's better to marry than to burn with passion. Some English translations say lust. If passion is what you have for one another, then get married. Do this relationship right Engage in this relationship in a godly way. If this is something you want, then yes, do get married. It is good for you to get married. You do receive favor from the Lord. And so single people, you're valuable, you're complete, you're needed in the church. Single people, life will be easier for you if you remain single. Single people, if you choose to remain single as Christians, stay sexually pure. Single Christian people, if your desire is to get married, then pursue it. But here's where this gets a little deeper here. If you are single, please hear me out. You need to determine what kind of spouse you need to be. See, we always look for the kind of spouse that we need. But to have a spouse is to have someone that you love and sacrifice. And so before you start obsessing, focusing on having anxiety over what kind of person you want to marry, you need to focus on what kind of person you need to be in marriage. And if people would actually focus on themselves and their own hearts, instead of looking at and obsessing over other people's shortcomings and other people's hearts, we would have much better relationships. Because when you obsess over your dream husband, when you obsess over your dream wife all of your life, and you have this entire image in your head of what this person is going to be, let me tell you something. At about day two of marriage, they're going to really let you down. Why is that, Pastor? It's because you focused on them your entire life. And so when there's something inside of you to change, you can't recognize it because you've trained yourself to just be looking at others. But it was Jesus who said this. He says, why do you look at the, the little sliver in someone else's eye when you've got a log in your own? And that's about judgment, but we can apply it to relationship too. Why obsess over people's 
little sliver. When, when, when you're the one that, that really is not prepared for relationship at all, what can you do to make sure that you are the spouse that your spouse needs to be? So how do you do that? Well, right now, you need to work on your relationship with God. And as you work on your relationship with God, there's something fascinating that happens. When you work on your relationship with him, he works on you. He's working on you when you work on your relationship with him. You're single people. You're valuable. You are complete. You're needed. It's easier to be single. Stay sexually pure when you're single. If you want to be married, then marriage is for you. But in the meantime, focus on the person you need to be as you're focusing on the relationship you have with God. And then then you need to determine what kind of spouse you'd like for yourself. Then you determine what kind of person should I marry. I quoted earlier Proverbs 18. Proverbs 18 says, he who finds a wife finds what is good. She who finds a husband finds what is good, and they receive favor from the Lord. And so do focus on the kind of spouse you would like to be with. And because you get to choose, and you do, by the way, in this culture, we we get to choose. Because you get to choose, because you are the one that is looking, and because you are the one that will find, here's something I want to make sure is abundantly clear, especially to women. You get to be picky. And sometimes we give our kids bad advice, like, you're being too picky about who you end up with. Oh, they need to be real picky. My daughter better be incredibly picky. And if she's not, I'll start picking on him you got to be picky. It's same, same for my son. Same for all of our kids. Teach your kids to be picky. Don't teach your kids to settle. And, you, and we, we've evaluated that to be just like strictly about physical looks. Like, yes, be real picky. They have to be perfect. And, and Instagram filters really help that out a lot, don't they? they got to be perfect. No, no, they don't have to be perfect. They, they have to have an open heart. They have to have a heart that wants to serve you, and you have to have a heart that wants to serve them. You have to have a heart that is open and ready for relationship to give and to receive and to take and to give and to give and to sacrifice again. To outdo one another in showing honor. To outdo one another in showing love and making sacrifices for each other. You need to work on you, but while you're working on you and while you're focusing on God and he's working on you, you can be picky. Be picky. Be picky. Look for someone who has a relationship with Jesus like you do or better. Like you do or better. We don't get into it a ton in this passage, but Paul later on, he says, don't be unequally yoked with unbelievers. And so just as an added bonus that's incredibly important while you're being picky, Scripture tells us to find someone who loves Jesus like you do because if you end up in a relationship with someone who doesn't love Jesus like you do, you've got nothing to build that relationship on. And it's going to struggle more than it has to. And so you get to be picky. So single people, in the meantime, if you're like, okay, I got all that, but I'm still single. What do I do? Be content. Be content. Philippians 4 says, this is Paul again. He says, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. 
In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. And then he says this, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And this is a verse we love to take out of context. You're like uh, at the mall parking lot. You're like, I can do all things through Christ. God's given me a parking spot. You're, you're playing Super Smash Brothers at midnight against your best friends, and you're like, oh, I, and, and you just whip through your, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Mario can beat Pikachu in this circle. No, it's not about that. I can do all things who give me strength. I'm going to have a good day at work today. Like, we can apply those things, but this is a, a verse about suffering. This is a verse about Paul being persecuted. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. And if you feel like, man, I want a spouse so badly, marriage is for me. I am focusing on God. I'm not obsessing about others. I am being picky, but here I am, and I'm still alone. Where do I need to be content? Pastor, that is so much easier said than done. Oh, yeah, you're right, it is. But the Bible says, be content where you're at. It's okay to be where you are. And while you're being content, put God first. Psalms 37, this is one of the easiest ways to be content. Psalms 37.4 says, delight yourself in the Lord. Delight yourself in God. Focus on God. Worship God. Find joy in your relationship with God. And there's an awesome caveat. It says, and he will give you the desires of your heart. When you focus yourselves Not on yourself, but on God. When you focus yourself on delighting yourself in God, God gives you the desires of your heart. And so don't be mistaken. That doesn't mean we write a wish list to God and say, okay, God, here's my list. I'm going to start delighting myself in you so that you give me everything on my list. Here's how it works instead. There is no list. You delight yourself in God. God gives you the list, and then he starts fulfilling it. There's something radically beautiful about when you focus your relationship on God, God gives you new desires. And sometimes, not always, sometimes those new desires look like noticing a man or a woman that's been there the entire time that you never noticed before because he was so nerdy. And all of a sudden, God gives you a desire for him, and you're like, him? I think I'm in love with him. But last week, you, yeah, I know what I, but God, I delighted myself in God, and now he's given me him as a desire. I've seen that happen, by the way. It's always the girl that ends up with the nerdy guy, by the way. It's never the other way around. It's like guys almost always marry up. Um, girls almost always marry down. So delight yourself in God. He gives you the desires of your heart, except for in my marriage. Um, so put God first. This doesn't mean while you're content, while you're putting God first, it doesn't mean that you can't look for a spouse. But here's what it does mean. Being content and focusing on God, it doesn't mean you don't look, but it does mean that you don't let yourself be desperate. It does mean that while you're in this place of singleness and contentment, that you don't think of yourself as less than human just because you don't have a spouse. Don't allow contentment just to be like, oh, no, 
I'm nobody until I find a spouse. Just stay content where you're at. Enjoy God. And please, more than anything, if I could give any piece of advice, just, just my own advice to single people, is enjoy this time while you've got it. Because you can eat whatever you want. You can, you can go wherever you want. You don't have to check in. You just, just, you're free. And if you're married, you just, you're stuck with it. But enjoy this life of singleness. Don't be so consumed about moving on from this state of life. And so those are some things for um, single people. I do wish Beyonce would have followed up all the single ladies to, uh, all the single men. But um, to all the single ladies and to all the single men, there you go. These are how we walk out our lives as Christians. Let's move on to, to dating. What does it mean if I'm dating? It means you're in relationships. You're in relationships. Defined or not, if you're in a relationship, you're in a relationship. If you are not sure if you're in a relationship or not, you, you are. And you need to define that with the person you're in. And so if you're dating, this must mean you want to be married. This must mean that marriage is the goal of your relationship. And if marriage is not the ultimate goal of your relationships, um, it should be. Or you really don't have any business dating. It doesn't mean that you're going to go on a first date with someone and be like, hey, I just want to let you know I'm on this date for marriage. <laughs> you, you can run from that. It's okay. But it means if, if you don't want to be married, just don't waste somebody else's time dating you. Because dating is, is the goal. I mean, marriage is the goal of, of dating. It doesn't mean you, you, you literally meet and get married two days later. But it means that this, this is now the trajectory I'm on. And so when I am finding out what kind of men I want to be with one day or what kind of women I want to be with one day, when I'm finding that out, Marriage is the goal. And so I'm actually being picky to see if this is somebody that I want to be my husband or if it's someone I want to be my wife. And if it's not, I don't have to continue dating them. And so dating is interviewing for marriage. It actually is. And if you're in an exclusive dating relationship or if you're dating multiple people because you haven't made a commitment yet and the other people know, like, hey, I'm just, I'm just seeing other people to find out what kind of person I'm interested in. This is just social interaction. It's not like The Bachelor, but it's just casual dating. Um, what are you to do in that state? Well, just like single people, you too are to remain sexually pure. In a dating relationship, as a follower of Jesus, you too are to remain sexually pure because sex is for and is created for marriage. And so as someone who is a boyfriend, or a girlfriend, if you want to have spouse privileges, whatever those privileges are, you need to be a spouse. 1 Corinthians 6, Paul says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. And he lists this long list of sins that encompass everything and everybody that no one gets away from. But one of the things he mentions is he says, Don't be deceived. The sexually immoral will not inherit the kingdom of God. And sexual immorality, just as a blanket statement here used in Greek, means sex with someone that is not your spouse. He says, if that's what your life is committed to and not committed to Jesus, then, 
you won't inherit the kingdom of God. And it seems so final, but in verse 11, he says, and such were some of you. He says, but you were washed. You were sanctified. You were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. So what Paul is saying, what the Bible is telling us, is that if if that's been you, it doesn't have to be you. In relationship with Christ, Christ can forgive you. Christ can make you whole. Christ can redeem you. Christ can make you more like Christ. So that that way you can go on the path that Christ wants you to be in with your boyfriend or girlfriend. While you're looking toward marriage, you're still remaining sexually pure. But then what? What do, what do we do? Like, what if I'm in this relationship and it's like, uh, it's like six months and we haven't even talked about it being serious? I want to make fun of Christian college, and I just will because I, I can't resist it anymore. Like, so if, you, if you're at Corbin for the first month and, and you haven't been proposed to yet, it's okay. It's all right. Like, how many people go to Christian college just to find spouses? It's not a good reason to go. It's like $120,000. There's cheaper ways to do it. Um, but, but if you're like, this relationship has gone on long enough. And, and at Corbin, it's two days. And in, in the real world, it's like, it's been eight months. Be content. Be content. Put God first. Just like singles people. Put God first. When you delight yourself in him, he will give you the desires of your heart. And as he does that, here here is the hard truth. Eventually, your relationship does need to take the next step. And so you need to be so content in God. You need to be so content in your relationship with Jesus that if your relationship with your significant other does not take the next step, you'll be content enough to move on. Did you hear that? you got to be content when you're in the relationship, but if it never takes the first first step, next step, whatever, you also need to be content enough to move on when it doesn't take the next step it's supposed to take. Because your contentment is not found in the person you're with. Your contentment is not found in your dating relationship, your romance, the person that you think you love, the person that you are in love with. Your contentment is not found there. Your contentment is found in one person and one relationship alone, and that person is Jesus Christ in a relationship with him. He is where you find contentment. So Paul's like, hey, if I'm single, I'm content. If I'm in prison, I'm content. If I'm being stoned to death, I'm content. If I'm shipwrecked, I'm content. But when things are going good, I'm content too because my contentment, my peace, my core, my foundation is not in my relationship status. It's in relationship with Christ. And if you draw your contentment from a person, that foundation's going to crumble. Your foundation's got to be built on the person, the Lord Jesus Christ. So single, dating, Please, either way, be content and push into your relationship with Jesus. And here's final words I'll I'll finish this up with today. Is this. Be faithful. Be faithful. And and I was thinking about these relationship series are hard because we're just like, oh, it's just what do we say out of the scripture? Be faithful. Be faithful. 
Jesus tells a parable in Matthew about a, a master who, who went away and he left these servants in charge of certain amounts of money. And he went away and, and two of the servants, they, they stewarded that money well and they, they made good investments and they made more and they gave more back to the master when he returned. But the servant who was given the least, he buried the money that his master gave him because he thought the master was just out to get him and was shrewd and harsh and cruel. And through that parable, Jesus tells us a truth about our lives that when we are faithful with a little, God puts us over much. You're like, but my, my singleness or my boyfriend or girlfriend is not money. Oh, no, they're not. They're much more valuable than that. When you're faithful with the single relationships you have now, friendship relationships, family relationships, workplace relationships, school relationships, church relationships, so on, so on, so on. When we're faithful with those relationships, God can entrust us with more. God can entrust us with something more. And so if that moves into a dating relationship, we have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, and God blesses us with that, what should we do with him or her? Be faithful. Be faithful with them and to them. Be faithful in your relationship with them. But most of all, be faithful to God as you're faithful to them. And if you're faithful with that, God will put you over much, which may lead you to engagement, which may lead you to marriage, which may lead you to children. Wherever the state is, be faithful with where you are. Be faithful with what God does give you right now, your time, your energy, your relationships, your sexuality, your finances, your stuff. Be faithful with what you my, my final words is if you're single, just, just be faithful to God. Focus on faithfulness. The contentment, everything else falls into place. If you're dating, be faithful to God. The contentment, the, the withstanding sexual temptation, all of that falls into place if you're just focused on being faithful. And the world tells you that you've got to have You've got to have the most money, the most Instagram followers, the, you know, the most elaborate relationship, the biggest red carpet date you can walk down with, with filter cameras taking pictures. No, 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 just, just be faithful. Just be faithful with what you have, and God will blossom that into something more. I'd rather have a true, intimate, real, raw, vulnerable relationship with a real person that I love than some fantasy relationship that doesn't even exist. I was reading a news article yesterday of this popular YouTuber and Instagram influencer who people said that they had, like, the greatest relationship. It was just so cute and perfect. Oh, look at all the cute things they do. And the guy shot his wife away. He was on trial for her murder. Don't be confused by what you see here. Focus on what's going on in here. Because this is an idol. This will lead you down places you don't want to go. And you'll never achieve this. Or, Pastor, what's this? It's, it's social media. It's one of the worst things that's ever happened to relationships. 
Don't focus on that. That's an idol. Focus on people, people's hearts, real relationship. Just be faithful. Would you bow your heads as we pray, and Casey will come up and lead us in a closing song. God, I thank you for um, this time that we've shared together today. We, we've done much already. We've um, offered up um, children to your service today. We've prayed prayers of blessings over families. Lord, we've worshipped you through music. Uh, we, we've, we've given financially as an act of stewardship and responsibility and praise. We've looked at your word. Uh, we're about to enter into singing to you again, Lord. But, God, I don't want to uh, miss an opportunity to connect and minister with, with hearts who are hurting, broken, hungry, lonely today. That, that we might offer something valuable to them. So with no one looking around, just to eliminate distraction, this series is about relationships, and relationships uh, uh, in this plane of existence, this world, they're, they're important, very important. But they mean nothing unless there's a relationship in place. I need, you need, we need relationship with God. The relationship needs to be growing. The relationship needs to be intimate. The relationship needs to be vulnerable. And the, the wonderful thing about God is he's all those things. Scripture tells us, if we seek him, not our future husband, not our future wife, if we seek God, if we seek him, we will find him. If we seek him with all of our heart. The reason that is, is because his heart is open to us. And he's right there. We just must turn away from ourselves and turn toward him. You see, Jesus said, God so loved the world, me and you, us, he so loved us, that he gave his only son, that's Jesus Christ, that whosoever believes in Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection, will not perish, but have everlasting life. Paul, who we read today in the book of Romans, he said, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, then you will be saved. And it's not just like the Father sent the Son, because the Son, Jesus Christ, says of himself, he says that he alone can lay down his life. No one can take his life from him. He laid it down for us. 
And he said, because I laid it down, I have the authority to pick it back up again. So out of love, the father sent his son. And out of love, the son willingly came. Willingly laid down his life for you. Willingly rose from the dead to give you new life. So at the core of our faith as Christians, God loves us. We've sinned against him. Our relationship with him has been separated and broken. We face the consequences of sin, which is death and hell. But because it's God's desire that none would perish and all would come to repentance, he did live, Jesus Christ lived a perfect, sinless life in your place and in mine. He died a death that you and I deserve to die took on all the punishment and the wrath from his father for our sins upon himself as he laid down his life and died on a cross. And after his death, he rose again to give us new life. And through his resurrection, the devil, sin, hell, and death itself are defeated. He has victory over those things. And he can give life. And so when we put our trust in what he's done and who he is, we immediately find forgiveness of our sins, past, present, future. We have his spirit dwell within us to enable us to do all things through Christ who gives us strength. The best thing of all, we immediately are reconnected with God through Christ. We have relationship with God. Relationship is restored. And as a bonus, we get everlasting life, which is relationship with him forever relationship is key and he gives this to you and to I freely we don't deserve it I don't deserve it he gives it as a gift of grace giving me what I don't deserve and like all gifts the Bible says the wages of sin is death but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord like with all gifts you just must receive them in faith and faith is trust faith isn't complete belief and understanding. Faith is just, man, Jesus, you're all I've got. I trust you. I need your help. The Bible says whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. God, I don't know what to do, but I'm calling on you. And if you'd say today, Pastor, I don't know God. I don't have a relationship with God. But I want to put my trust in Jesus so that I would have a relationship with God, so that I could live for him and stop living for myself. With no one looking around, would you just raise your hand as high as you can and put it right back down and say, that's me. Today I want a relationship with Jesus. I I want to put faith in Christ. I want to turn from myself and turn towards him. I, I need relationship with God more than I need relationship with anyone else. And if you say, hey, I, I've got relationship with God, but my relationships here are void or a mess or complicated, then, then we'll continue to grow together and encourage each other and pray for one another that those relationships too would be whole and where they're supposed to be in Jesus Christ. So would you stand? God, we thank you for this time. I pray that as we, we sing this final song, let it be a declaration of faith for the week ahead. God, we, we give you this time of worship. We give you the week ahead. In Jesus' name.